Daryl Davis, I believe. Mm-hmm, Have you mm-hmm. heard that? Yeah. He's, he's the one who who has all these robes in his basement that Ku Klux Klaners have sent him because uh-huh. after meeting with him, they decided they had to leave the Klan. <laughs> even people way up in the, because wow. he would, he would just sit and have a conversation and say, by the way, why do you hate me? <laughs> and it's one-on-one humanity that makes people go, well, wait a minute, I don't hate you. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. you know, I think we have to try leading with our hearts again. I think we've been, we, we, we've gotten into this place where everything's an argument. Joining me on this episode of Playtime's Playcast, Val Leventhal, activist, singer-songwriter, and talk show host. That's coming up with me, your host, W.C. Turk. Leventhal's debut release, Roots and Flowers, showcases a most amazing talent with a vibrant and eclectic mix of country ballads, folk, reggae, and even power blues. She is also the host of the Val Leventhal Show, which airs live Sundays from 10 to 11.45 a.m. Central, (laughs) breathe, (laughs) on Q4 Radio, q4.org, AM 1680, which is also available on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. You can search for Q4 at airtime. Her website is valleventhal.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Welcome to uh, my living room, by the way. Yes, it's not, and welcome to mine. It's it's kind of a, a you can see it's a <laughs> messy space. Um, that picture there, which you probably can't see very well. It's your is, album uh, cover. It is, it's my album cover. It's the, uh, it's the poster from the uh, actual release uh, concert back in way too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, but, what, when you were five years old. That's right. That's right. Thank you. You're so kind. I'm happy to say that I'm back at work. Uh, The studio that I've been working with on the new album moved to Mexico. So that's that's a hell of a commute. Yes. But thanks to electronic (laughs) media, we have begun work again. There was a COVID delay, but mostly everything's in the can. So we're doing some tracks and then drop boxing things back and forth. And 
So you're not schlepping back and forth between Chicago and Mexico in the studio? No, no. But I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> to do the final mix down and have a big party by going to Mexico. Oh, how fun. cool would that be? Yeah, they have a great house there. So in his studio yeah. in San Miguel de Ande, mm -hmm. which is up in up in the high desert. And yeah, the yeah. weather, the weather's perfect. And it's a quite an artist community. Yes, it is. Um, I have uh, I have a very dear friend who lives near there. Uh, who who I, I knew from here, an, an American guy and his wife, but they they live down down there and they they just they just love it. He loves it too. Yeah. Um, shout out to Randy Hummel, by the way. Shout out to Bill Cavanaugh, <laughs> who's also a great bass player and and uh, you know will be featured on the new CD as well. You know, I I like to take my time. It's only been fifteen years or so between the first and the second <laughs> release. Well, we were just but, talking uh, with Mark Vickery, and it's it's been more than twenty years between his first debut album and and this this new album so i guess that brings that brings up this what took you so long <laughs> <laughs> and and what did you learn in the meantime and is is this the right time for the release of this album in other in other words could you have have gotten that that album out any sooner or does a musical project come out when it's supposed to come out i think everything happens when there's a proper alignment of forces and elements in your life i mean i yeah, yeah. i i could have certainly released a project i know people who are much more prolific than i am and i i i have so many songs so it certainly wasn't the material i've been yeah, writing i yeah. have enough for five albums but <laughs> uh when you're on a limited budget and you know mm -hmm. uh, various things but the development as an artist i would say you know, I hate to say anything good came out of the pandemic, but woodshedding for a year and a half yeah, yeah. has had a, a huge impact. So I'm already feeling like I could have done better on some of the things that are in, yeah. the, in, in the can. So e each thing is sort of a snapshot. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that in the future that I, it, I, had, I had work to do is mm -hmm, the short mm -hmm. answer. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to releasing more often because I have a whole lot of stuff and I think I need to do a, I'm so eclectic. There, there's something of everything on there. trees down in the streets thunder growls and lightning streaks and everybody feels the heat we're having strange weather and so it's all those things you know pulling people together it's like herding cats you know <laughs> to get people in, in the studio together and yeah um so i'm just feeling grateful that it's going to get finished Do you have a title for it yet absolutely my brother is really good at titles and it's perfect because he's my sibling and so the name of the project is sibling revelry <laughs> all right as opposed to rivalry uh-huh and i have a lot of friends and hopefully some family on on the disc and uh I so think you get along with your brother i do we're very close what's that like <laughs> <laughs> do you have siblings i have i have i have two younger brothers Okay. And, and I don't think we've we've ever gotten along. Well, we love each other, but uh, I, I don't think we've we've ever gotten along for any 
appreciable length of time since we were kids. I, I feel very grateful. I, I, my mom tells me or told me my mom passed uh -huh. a couple of months ago, but I'm sorry. Um, thank you. Yeah. My brother said to me, uh, in the car on the way back from the burial, I guess we're orphans now, you know, we're like really old orphans <laughs> because dad <laughs> passed in 2010. Uh huh. Mom used to tell me that when I was a baby in the playpen and Mitch was like two or three years old, well, he was three because he's three years older than I am. I would throw my toys out and he would bring them back and we would both laugh and it was a favorite game. So wow. we've, been we've been friends from the very beginning. And then when he got to maybe 15 yeah, and yeah. to, you know, trying to become more grown up, he, he didn't want his kid sister tagging along. <laughs> so we had a few years where we didn't get along and, and then we became best besties after that. So we've been that ever since he's also a talented musician. He doesn't mm -hmm. like to perform. Mm -hmm. for people but he he plays various instruments and it's probably a better guitar player than i am in a lot of ways and we have that sibling harmony going on so i'm i'm hoping to get him do some backup vocals on my project because he sings oh great we when we get together we watch star trek and we play music together so we we have a lot in common and we and we <laughs> and we both love cats we love cats very much well you know in in, in my book that just that just lost you into the into the stratosphere so so I canceled everything, you know, I, I've been very careful. I'm not doing gatherings. I went to yeah. one concert and was very uncomfortable. Only myself yeah. and one other yeah. person masked. And it just, it just, I didn't want to go there. But in March, I'm going to, <clears throat> coming out of the uh, closet, so to speak. And uh, on the 2nd of March, I'm doing a songwriter showcase at the Gallery Cabaret. That's- Oh, yeah. Wednesday. The gallery where I played for years and, and my partner, Rick, who passed away, played yeah. for years yeah. there. So it's sort of a, uh, a reunion of sorts. to go uh -huh. back there. And then on the following Wednesday, the 9th, I'm going to be out at the Out of Space in Berwyn doing a songwriter showcase also with uh, three other songwriters. And then in April, actually going out and doing a, an entire <laughs> evening at the gallery at that's Friday the eighth, the eighth of April, and, I'll and I want to let people know that the uh, the Gallery Cabaret is twenty twenty North Oakley uh, yes. here in Chicago, in Bucktown, right? Exactly. Yes, yeah, that's Chicago. Yeah, and on the on the eighth, I'm going to be performing with John Dorado and Annie McIntyre, who are friends, who are very talented keyboard and guitar and vocals, and so the, it'll be a group. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but that's all I have going on that and getting the CD out. And the radio show, the radio and, show, uh, but, yeah. but but sort of sort of a slow movement back to back to getting out in public. Yes. Yeah. And, and the plan is to release the CD and then yeah. really get going with some bookings to promote. Yeah. This. You know, I, I, last week uh, I, I had Martin Barr on the on the show, and my my first question to him was uh because he had he had initially had to cancel his show out uh at uh at a theater in aurora from from last year so so i said are you ready for this one and he goes he goes i'm ready the theater's ready everybody's social distanced as long as as long as they they keep to that he was he was very adamant about that the theater was going to ask for uh, for vaccination proof and and masks. When we first went here, this was back 
uh, was it kind of, it was back in 2020, the beginning of 2020, when they were just beginning to close down, uh, we were talking with Paul Michael Glazer, Starsky, Starsky and Hutch. Right, right. And he was, uh, he was in the middle of, of doing uh, a road show for um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Our assumption was this was this was just going to be you know be a four or five or six month thing, and we were going to be out of it. As as it turns out, now we're almost three years into it, which I, I think just shows the magnitude of of this issue and uh, and and the scope of the pandemic. Even then, Paul Paul said that this is going to be bad, whether it's three months or six months or nine months. That was sort of the cutoff point at that point, and it's going to affect theater and that we're going to have to muscle our way through. In, in other words, as artists, we need to look for the oper- the safe opportunities to kind of force our way back onto the stage or into the spotlight. It's going to take a lot of, uh, of temperament and patience, which sounds very much what, what you're doing with, with these dates. I'm, I'm one of those people who I don't have a problem with patience. I, I, I have a slow roll. You know, I, I, I never, I feel like the work in front of me is, is what I want to address. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I'll get done whatever I get done in this lifetime. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't have those big, big goals anymore. When you're young, you want to be a rock star, you know, and my goal has been to create art that I was proud of and that had the respect of my peers. And I mm-hmm. feel like, I've achieved some of that and that's exciting. And I'm not going to rush out and feel like I have to be the first guy into the newly opened club. No, no. What the numbers look like and if it's safe or not, you know, but of course, technology, thanks to tech, you know, we've all been forced to do more with that. And um, so I had, you know, I had to figure out how to do a YouTube channel. I'm hopeless, but I got, I have a YouTube channel now (laughs) and I've been posting videos, but yeah, I think, it's better to be patient and then do and then and then ease in as you can yeah to be stressed about you know exactly i think the audiences are going to have to ease back in as well you Mm -hmm. know people are concerned about gathering as they should be yeah and plus they've gotten used to sitting at home with their feet up and watching their favorite people live stream right into their living room and yeah yeah. So venues are going to have to make it more attractive for people to come out in person. Uh, I mean, there's this is going to be evolution in a lot of different areas, I think. Indeed, indeed. I think when it's all said and done, that one of the, one of the positive aspects of this, uh, and you alluded to it a little bit in, uh, in, in your conversation, in talking about your work and, and the amount of work that you've, you've been able to do, is the the astounding volume and quality of artistic work that was created during the pandemic. I I mean, don't get me on this rant, but I feel like our culture particularly does not reward art and artists. Yes. You know, everything gets co-opted and commercialized and corporatized. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Of course, the media is part of that. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if, you know, to be a, an actual artist where your focus is not on what song you can sync and market and sell, but on, you know, what kind of song you want to create, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult because you, you, that's the state of the industry. 
And I've been fortunate enough to be someone who is able to make a living other ways that are complementary to my art. There are minotaurs, there are bulls in the china shop, con men and profiteers trot out their latest prop. Their minds are strange, you might say they're deranged, in the passing of things they will finally fall, but I want to feel the with wild flowers Plants and trees by the concrete towers Have clean rivers and streams And room for everyone's dreams Gardens full of birds and bees And doing mostly as I please I'm the person who has a lot of different interests, and so I don't want to do just one thing. I never have been driven to do just one thing. So it's okay for me to have this kind of multi-layered life where, you know, my work with animals was something I was able to keep doing during the pandemic because I'm yeah. outside by myself. Yeah, yeah. God, you know, so it, the, the owners were home. They would they would toss me the leash at the door, and we're both masked, and then I would <laughs> you know, I'd be outside. So. But not everyone can do that. And if you're a if you're a musician who's trying to make a living at it right now, I I just don't. I mean, the whole thing is changing. Does does being outdoors with animals and, and you know fresh air and and sort of there there's a rhythm to that. Does does that help your creative process? What one of the one of the really interesting things that Martin Barr told uh, told me was that. While he's not specifically trying to be creative musically, when he when he jogs, jogging and, and table tennis, I, I guess he's he's kind of a table tennis champion, which blew me away. Um, <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, exactly. He says he's he's very um, he's very, and I mean this the selfish word in in a very positive sense. He's very selfish about that time as being as being his where he can be introspective and and concentrate on his inner thoughts and his inner voice and 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 even a little bit of creativity does being out with animals help you creatively absolutely it does yeah. I, I think i had i had the the great good fortune to have howard levy on my show last week and, okay uh, what yeah. an, what a fun interesting guy he yeah. is but yeah so it, it came to, you know, it kind of makes you sick because he's not only a, a virtuoso on n multiple instruments, but he's also able to sing and write a song and mm -hmm. he's fun. Mm -hmm. So we talked about harmonica. I play a little bit of harmonica, not a lot, but you okay. know, a little bit. And I learned to play harmonica while walking. And we talked about the rhythm of walking. And I often will get a, a beat, you know, sometimes, yep. sometimes a the thing starts with a beat and a bass line in my head. You know, I don't play bass, but I hear it. I hear all the instruments, you know, uh -huh. and sometimes words will come on that rhythm. And then, of course, being with animals is just good for you anyway. Yeah. And um, being with dogs, especially, I, I've i worked on something <laughs> I call the Mindful Dog Walk, which I haven't been able to market yet, but it's it works, which uh -huh. is like a la Caesar Milan, the... Uh, your mental state. So if you have a dog that's acting wild, instead of addressing that, <laughs> if you address your internal turmoil, yeah. which, which we have lots of, 
and just breathe and look at the sky and the dog will instantly calm down. It's a place people have a hard time going because they're distracted by <laughs> thinking they have to yank and yell and control the dog when actually what they need to control is themselves. So <laughs> being in that meditative state, things emerge. You know, I, I have a song about trees that came from walking dogs. Yeah, and yeah. All kinds of things. So yeah, definitely. And being outside, I haven't had a cold or a flu in 25 years practically. I'm gonna I'm gonna add another variable to to that conversation. You practice Zen Buddhism. Yes, I and... I, I dabble. I try. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm not, a devo I'm not a devoted student. I wouldn't say I'm a disciple, but I. Uh -huh. How does how does that feed creativity? Craft is something different. Craft mm -hmm. is something you can learn whether you have any inner artistic thing going on or not. But if you want to create art, you have to you have to go down inside and it has to come from someplace else. And that means trusting that and turning off the mental chatter. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't force a good song. You can't sit down and force a good song. You mm -hmm. have to allow it. You know, yeah. you, you really it's really true. You you are the you're the instrument yeah. that it, it comes through. But yeah. there's somebody else I think somebody else uh, directing that. I don't know if that's a personal God or just a, a universal energy. I, I don't care. I mean, you know, whatever that is. But that's a, that's that a that's a great question, yeah. which which we've we posed. I, I just posed it to Mark Vickery from Cosmic Bowl, but we post po we posed that very question to innumerable artists, um, and and I think we we might have had this conversation before, where I will craft I will craft in in one of my novels. I'll, I'll build a character. And if, if I build that character correctly, that character will have their own intention. And I, I know where I begin the story and I know mostly where I want that story to end. What happens in between can be a complete mystery. In, in other words, I, I, want, I want that character to go through the door on the left and they'll say, nope, I'm going around the corner to the door uh, on the right rather right and, and of then there's a discovery that's going to happen that you precisely that that character at some point becomes so real that they feel that i've tapped into something outside of myself mm -hmm. which which could be illusionary but but it it could be real at least at the level of yourself I mean, if you want to be very concrete and non-spiritual about it, mm -hmm. any levels of consciousness, we know this from scientific work, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. and so the chatter that goes on when you're telling yourself, I, I have to write this thing mm -hmm. and you're working on writing it, the conscious part, mm -hmm. and, the part and the part that has the craft yeah. and, and understands how things need a rhythm and, you know, that's that's active and that's there. But I, I always say about my work, I, I try not to have wear the editor hat at the same time that I'm being the creator because you get in your own way. Instead of just, I let it, I tend to have an, a concept mm -hmm. and then I just kind of rant like I do on Sundays. I, I just spew whatever thoughts come when I have, and sometimes I only have, I only have, I only do that while I have the energy for that when it, while it feels genuine, like it's mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. fluidly. If I get stuck, I just stop. I don't try to overwork it, okay. come back to it. And then with the editor hat, sometimes you can say, I see what I did here. And then yeah. you can create, you create more craft. But I always start from a completely, I've, I've got an idea. Because mm -hmm. I write a lot of politically, people think politically or social human 
social justice stuff and you know human condition stuff but i try i don't want to be preachy so mm -hmm. if i if i let the intellectual editorial side be in charge it would be heavy-handed and preachy instead of letting the zen part of me say there's an image that says it all right there. I just saw oh, some two, two things juxtaposed and I've got this feeling that that's what I'm talking about. I don't really know what I want to say yet. Yeah. Darkness comes before the dawn. You gotta know which side you're on and get on with it. On with it. Hungry people still need food. Find a way some good on with it yeah you gotta get on with it take the time to heal your heart and when you're ready to play your part get on with it yeah on with it build a team make a plan to help as many Control of it. I mean, I feel in control of the editing. I make choices about meter yeah, and yeah, rhyme, and, you know. Yeah. But I don't feel in control of the the, the genesis at all. <laughs> do, you, just, do you feel do you feel that that's a that that's a benefit of uh, of age and perspective? I, it's it, know, that it's it's a learned it's it's a learned skill. I think what's learned is my ability to do it without struggle. Not like I used to be really angst ridden about it. And if yeah, I didn't write yeah. for a month, I'd think, oh, I'm never going to write again. And you know, all that. Yeah. There's, there are seasons mm -hmm. and there, there are times when you feel creatively totally active. And there are times when you feel fallow. And the yeah. fallow times I try to use for organizing and writing charts and learning how to play guitar better and, you know, the, cra the craft and <clears throat> sort of administrative part of it and just wait and try to be open to the opportunities for something new to come. I love the two competing voices, the, the cognitive literal voice and, and the Zen voice and how they're sort of juxtaposed uh, and one one taking charge at, at a specific time. That's that's absolutely wonderful. You um, you began your show this morning and, and you were, uh, I, I know you you weren't feeling well uh, and and we joked about, you know, did, did you take enough bleach as, as per our former president? <laughs> I, there there's there's a there's a very political side to you uh, an activist side to you and i i absolutely love and admire that that passionate powerful voice you began the the replay of of this week's show speaking about race disparity which is an important theme uh why do you feel it's important as an artist as a broadcaster as a human being to to be so adamantly outspoken about race disparity in this country at this time? Well, it, it starts with my childhood, mm -hmm. the sensitivity to it. I, I was raised by 
liberal Jewish parents who mm -hmm. grew up in a time when there was a lot more anti-Semitism and they had some black friends, which people, and we lived in Louisville, Kentucky, so uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. not, a, not a bastion of racial equality, but not <laughs> as bad as some places. So I was raised in a house where there was an encyclopedia of black history, a beautiful volume with hand, mm -hmm. beautiful illustrations. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just George Washington Carver, you know, and, and uh, it, it was all these people that you probably hadn't heard of. Um, and I was a, a Jewish kid. There might have been five of us in a class of two or three thousand, you know, in my high school. Mm -hmm. They're just we we. There's a, a so you could sort of identify as as a somewhat invisible minority, or, and or just in being other, being yeah. otherized in various ways. Yeah. But then yeah. As I got older, mm -hmm. I realized that you know I went through my feminist era mm -hmm. where I was angry all the time because. <laughs> know and there are still reasons to be angry about misogyny mm -hmm. um and then i realized at some point that it's all the same question which is yeah. you know we are all human yeah we are all equal and there should not be divisions based on things like skin color it's absurd you know if you do any kind of science or history you you, you can see why mm -hmm. things are the way they are now mm -hmm. and how wrong it is mm -hmm. that so many people are still I have a girlfriend who's a, a dark-skinned black woman who grew up and she's very, you know, I try to be optimistic. <laughs> she's very cynical about the ability of America to fix this. And I, and, and her feeling is, you know, she grew up knowing from the time she was a very young child that this country did not want her, did yeah. not care about her, did not, yeah. was not going to help her in any way as far as her own personal growth. And, and I can't say that she's wrong about that. I mean, even now, it's just so horrifying to me to see all this vermin think that it was okay to come out of the corners. Are, are you surprised that, be, because that's that's always been around the edges of, of political movements, particularly populist and nationalist oriented political movements. But are you surprised with Donald Trump's use of that as, as a, as a major tactic in galvanizing white fear and white racism and dividing the country so significantly and so so deeply along racial lines. I'm not surprised when you look at his history, <clears throat> mm -hmm. his family's history, you can see where that all came from in his life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not surprised at those people who may not be really hardcore racists, but they jump on the bandwagon because there's money to be made yeah, and power yeah. to be gotten and races to be won. Yeah. It just in a totally cynical way. And, and, and by the way, those those same people also use Christianity as their as their alternate weapon or their co-weapon, I suppose. It's, it's really horrifying. I have a friend who's very deeply Christian in uh -huh. her heart. She's uh -huh. sort of a, a, a latecomer to that place mm -hmm. and and yet is a is a good you know a good lefty a good progressive and mm -hmm. there's so many of that i mean i think of you know father berrigan and you know all the all the church people who all over the world who have done this work for so many generations yeah and yeah now you say christian and it's like it's a bad word because those people you know the loud mouth bigoted hard right they really have co-opted the religion and, and and just like they've co-opted words like freedom yeah. and faith and yeah. you know all of that i mean we we need to take that back because yeah. Yeah. that's not what that's about yeah. you know well it's my way 
Oh, the highway That's the way I roll Yeah, my way Oh, the highway Either way you pay a toll You might as well get to it Cause I know how to do it And doing it my way Is my goal Yeah Yeah, it's my way Or the highway Can't you see that I know best Or my way Or the highway So much better than the so do it like I tell you I don't have time to sell you I'll fail you if you don't pass my test I'll never one of one of my favorite teachers and just a great a great master in the world Thich Nhat Hanh died uh, yes and I think of him particularly because he had the, the, the Buddhist the Buddhist Zen right. master for people who don't uh, who might no, not oh, right, know right, who, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, t- he's a Tibetan he was a Tibetan uh, from Vietnam yes uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was Vietnamese, I'm yeah. sorry. But yes, he, his whole thing was love. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, and reminding people, and as was Jesus, you know, I mean, it... it yeah, which is... Yeah, which is what, uh, what... Which is what... I was just reading a, a piece uh, that was, was talking about uh, about the Bible and, and how most of the Bible is not the Word of God, uh, at, at least at least from a, from a Christian standpoint. From, but... But what is considered the word of God is the word of Jesus. We'll what, what, whatever, whatever historical or spiritual weight you, weight you want to you want to apply to uh, to 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 the Jesus figure, right? Um, but if if you're if you're going by the Bible, then Jesus's words are 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 the the word of God. He doesn't say anything about race. He doesn't say anything about about uh lgtpq no he doesn't um and and those people that find hate in the bible and find division and bigotry uh justified for them in the bible will will pick out that one sentence in i think it's in leviticus about uh, about a man's laying with a man but they'll ignore the eight or nine or ten times that Eating shellfish is forbidden as they walk into a, uh, you know, a, a seafood right. restaurant. It, it, it it's it's really or coveting your coveting your neighbor's wife or any number of other things that yeah people do, you know yeah. yeah yeah. But 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 you speak to this and and you speak to this weekly on your radio show. What role do you see for the arts in in bringing about enlightenment and change? It's a critical role. It always has been. You know, I mean, I think the artist is able to show people whether it's dance or poetry or music or painting is are able to show to to get people to get past the initial rejection of an idea Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just hit somebody straight into their emotional center of who they are, which is the whole point. Yeah, I think of art and, and and it's a good example, too, because the arts are so diverse and not everybody likes everything and not everyone is reached the same way and not everybody mm-hmm. understands things at the same level. And so you do what you can. You know, I one thing I've learned the older I get is it's really egocentric to think you can fix anything in the world. OK, okay. because you're you know, you really can't fix it. It's a process. It's a huge, complicated 
there's a lot of people, a lot of, lot of moving parts all at the same time. But, but just, just to, just to argue a little bit with that, I'm, I'm also a fan of this and, and I don't, this, this could be Zen. I, I, I don't know, but, but I'm, I, I truly believe that, that you can fix yourself Yes. and, and stand as a pillar against against the the waves of of hate and division and bigotry and absolutely i mean that was the next part of that thought and i okay. i definitely i definitely see that there are i'm one of those people that gets hung up when i'm writing because anything you say uh -huh. it's, opposite, it's opposite is usually true <laughs> so then you have to figure out uh if you really want to say it that way and what i see is that there are people who are who want to fight against darkness and i mm -hmm. i get mm -hmm. that that's really good. I'm glad they're out there. My my inclination is to shine the light, to help uplift other people who might want to join the light. And I I personally think there are more of us than there are of them. And so like there yeah. you know there are yeah. more people who of goodwill and basically good intention and you know who 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 aren't out trying to destroy the world the way that some of these people are. Yeah. yeah. And so I I've, I've switched from trying to fix them that that was kind of where i was going with that idea to to just you know trying to build trying to build yeah. something yeah. that people can 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 be inspired by can be if it, if they can use it for something to to help them on a dark day and i think together there's enough of us that if we could just re realize we're on the same page and that they've been dividing us for centuries in order to achieve economic goals and political goals actually most people even if we would argue about a lot of things around the edges there are certain basic principles that i think most people do agree on i like 75 80 percent of people mm -hmm. could agree mm -hmm. on and so you know that's where my energy goes i'm trying to be positive and reach my brethren and sister out there rather than trying to scream about you know i, I trump was a challenge for me because i I started the show intending to build bridges and bring people together. And then, you know, it's hard not to have your head explode. And just I just wanted hate. to swear on the radio really badly for four years. I know. And throw <laughs> things at the television. Set. Oh, and the media. While there's still a public library, go and read about our history, economics and psychology. Living in a free society The truth is out there, but you got to go find it They've got you twisted up, but you can unwind it If you open your eyes Think for yourself Make up your own mind Because they lie to you They tell you things that are not true Here, you wouldn't live in fear, but they lie to you. Baby, they lie to you. They tell you things that are not true. If they told you what you need to hear, you wouldn't live in fear, but they lie to you. So, so let's talk a little bit about, about your radio program on, okay. on Q4. 
it's a really well-informed and fact-based program, which is a very, very rare thing in talk radio. Q4 had what when I uh, when I, I first jumped on on board there many years ago, uh, had a great DJ and hip hop base. Uh, I, I'd come over from WCPT, and uh, with the help of of some some great friends there, Jason and John, and I, I loaded it to showcase Chicago's diversity. Both musically and uh, and as far as political and, and talk perspectives, as well as as activism hosted by marginalized voices, black voices. Uh, Darren Marshall, who who does does a, a really fun show, but that was in in direct opposition to to the the cultural sewer pipe that commercial talk radio has has become. I would love you to speak to that a little bit. It's amazing to me because you're you're absolutely right in that post. Was that Mike Nowak, Novak, or, or, Mo- or yeah, yeah, his words or yours? But yeah, um, there are almost no progressive voices in in most radio, most talk radio. There Even are though- there are two hundred, uh, and being a fact based based show, hopefully in, in the vein of of the Val Leventhal show, <laughs> there are about two hundred and twenty quote-unquote progressive stations in other words they carry a show or or a host of shows even though i think wcpt here in chicago is the largest progressive radio station in the country and 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 a lot of those stations that that 200 stations are are, they're disappearing very quickly or they're they're changing over i think there was just one that just changed over to a sports station it has nothing to do with ratings uh, it's it's instead the the saturation of of a political ideology. Tom Hartman and Stephanie Miller, the two the two most popular progressive talk show hosts in the country, when their audience numbers are adjusted against the the hundred stations that they broadcast on specifically um, against say the eight hundred and fifty stations that Sean Hannity is on. And Limbaugh uh, was on, and yeah. right. Miller and Hartman's ratings, and this is according to Nielsen, are 22% higher than exactly than than Limbaugh or Hannity. Uh, As for the so-called liberal media, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Charlie Kirk, uh, who's who's a a a Trump affiliate, all broadcast their hate and innuendo and proven falsehoods on ABC Radio while they're. Go ahead. Can I just interject? Please. It's it's worse than that to me that these mainstream stations, when you're watching, you know, the evening news yep. or yep. or or something like uh, even on PBS NewsHour, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. you you get the guy in the liberal seat is never that progressive. They always pick somebody who's kind of kind of center. You know, there's a yeah. few that I like. Juan Williams and yeah, right. You know, yeah. NPR went the same route. You know, they they never. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 wouldn't hear uh, you know Noam Chomsky on on NPR, right, right, or Jim Hightower even, or Jim who's, Hightower who's even, yeah, brilliant yeah. and funny, and why isn't he you know picked up by those stations? But you know, I, I mentioned WABC. Yeah. There are there are zero, there are no progressive hosts, uh, and, and just by just by simple va- voting math, at, at at least progressives and liberals are at least fifty percent of the country. But that's sure. not reflected, which means that progressive voices receive less corporate media attention than corporatized, suburban-safe, 
muzzled black Latino porn, LGBTQ immigrant and multiracial and, and ethnic middle class voices. That's a problem. It is. That's a problem. None it of is. none of the voices that are that are, are are champions of substantive change or at least substantive critiques of of our political system and our society are 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 even allowed on on the quote unquote liberal media. And every so everybody turns to the internet which has been taken over by you know, a motley crew, to say the least. I mean, yeah. I, I just the other day, I got a, I got a response to something I posted from supposedly from a woman that I know. And from a quick exchange with this poster, I realized it wasn't her, mm -hmm. couldn't mm -hmm. possibly be her because I knew her and she doesn't talk like that or think like that. And she's not very tech oriented. She's probably not even on Facebook. I mean, somebody just got a false page. And yeah, I just, yeah. I just read that it's something like, a billion fake pages, you know, a billion, one point something billion were taken down uh, in, in 2020. And they've already taken down, like, it, it's even more now. It's yeah, even, yeah. In 2021, it was even more. And I mean, it's just hard to know what to trust. And if you can't trust any authority, everybody goes down their own little rabbit hole. And, and there's no forum where you can just say, let's have some common sense and, and talk about, let's agree on some facts. I mean, you can't even. <laughs> facts have, have become negotiable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that wasn't always the case. I mean, you know, the famous quote, you, you, you have, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your facts. So, or, yeah, that's a paraphrase, but. So how, how do you, for, for your show or just you personally, how, how do you arrive or, or decide what's factual and what isn't? I look at multiple sources. Um, mm -hmm. I have a few sources that I trust, although there are some on the progressive side who get a little hyperbolic and, you know, yeah. kind of have to look past that. I can see how yeah. somebody from the middle or right leaning mm -hmm. would read that mm -hmm. and go, I think they do themselves a disservice by being snarky and yeah. being insulting, you know, yeah, using yeah. because it they're then their point gets lost to yeah. to they're, they're preaching to the choir and their point gets lost to anyone else. Yeah. And I try not to do that. I try to I try not to insult anybody. I try to I try to I'm I have my own bias and I recognize mm -hmm. that and mm -hmm. I'm prone to, you know, think a certain way, but I always try to look at people who manage to build bridges like the uh there's an R&B singer named Daryl Davis, I believe. Mm -hmm, Have you mm -hmm. heard that? Yeah. He's, he's the one who, who has all these robes in his basement that Ku Klux Klaners have sent him uh, because uh, after meeting with him, they decided they had to leave the Klan. <laughs> even people way up in the... Because wow. he, would, he would just sit and have a conversation and say, by the way, why do you hate me? <laughs> and it's one-on-one -on -one humanity that makes people go, well, wait a minute, I don't hate you. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. you know... I think we have to try leading with our hearts again. I think we've been, we, we, we've gotten into this place where everything's an argument and everybody has their own position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw a show uh, on some PBS channel about 20 years ago that stuck with me because it was a table of about 10 experts. They were all in different fields and they were having a conversation. I forget the topic, forget the people, but there was one guy who was very egocentric and kind of tried to take over the conversation and be a bit of a bully. Uh -huh. And everyone else just sort of gently bypassed it. They would just go, huh, and move on, you know, and, and eventually he stopped and he realized, and 
So the group said, this is how we are going to be civil together. And if you're not behaving in a civil way, we're not going to argue about that. We're not going to get angry. We're not going to disrupt the whole thing here. We're just going to not allow it by not giving it any weight, not giving. And I saw Joe Biden do that at the press conference and it blew my mind. I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. He, you know, I was not a fan. I, yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted Bernie, you know, yep. Yep. but I think things worked out for the best. I think Bernie's better where he is. I think we needed him in the Senate and I think, yeah. uh, you know, on the various committees. And I think Joe is doing a fine job with given the, given the circumstances. And it upsets me to see progressives go after him when, you know, it's like, really, we're going to do a circular firing squad again. I mean, right now at this pivotal moment, when I know you've been asked to hold your nose and vote for the lesser of two evils for maybe your whole life, but have to, you have to do it again because this is too critical, right? Now. A lot of progressives, and, and we'll we'll end we'll end with this piece. Uh, we'll we'll end with your answer here. A lot of progressives will um, admonish the right for being too cultish about. Donald Trump. And if you question, if, if he questions himself, uh, like he, like he did with va <laughs> vaccines and they booed him, they booed their cult figure. Yeah. So, so we've criticized them for being too cultish and following way too vehemently in lockstep. Right. We like to think of ourselves on the left as, as not being that way. So what is, what is the line? What is the best way to criticize and hold politicians like like President Biden accountable while also porting those those greater agendas that he's advocating. I think what I think is this that triage is required. Okay. Okay. That that what you need to do is say, you know, the old line about don't talk about decorating while the house is burning down. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. You know, we are out of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. We are vaccinating people. We are mm -hmm. we are we are trying to address some work that is just generational in yeah. this country. That you know, I mean, in terms of human rights and civil rights and things like mm -hmm. that, it's not perfect. You know, he's yeah. not perfect. He, yeah. he, I would not agree with him about everything. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But my point is, you know, there's tomorrow. Today, you have to have an agenda for today. You have yeah. to say, okay, what is the next most critical thing? And right now, it's voting rights because if we don't address voter suppression, yeah. you know, we're, and, and, we're never going to be able to go anywhere. But, you know, I mean, you and, and just just as an as an aside to people who, who criticize the the idea of of strengthening voting rights around around the country, we had we had the largest turnout in maybe maybe ever, maybe ever. but maybe ever, yeah. that's fully uh, about the access to to voting. Yeah. In, in a in a country where and and it, it astounds me that the people who who say well there, there should be there should only be one day for voting and it's between six and seven are, are the same people that are struggling to find daycare for for their kids because they can't get get time off work or they have to work uh, multiple jobs in order to make ends meet in in this economy or or their the the their time is so burdened that that voting is is almost that voting at at that specific day and time almost becomes the straw to break their their camel back that they don't want that extra leverage or that extra opportunity to cast their vote a reasonable opportunity to cast their vote it's just been framed the wrong way 
and yeah. Democrats yeah. have to get better at the framing, you know, to present and yeah. say, look, this is for everyone. Yeah. We yeah. want everyone to vote. It's a democracy. We, you know, we don't want. And then I know people get upset and they say, well, you know, we got all Democrats in charge. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, but look, the Democrats are not monolithic. You know, they, they don't agree on everything. Yeah. And yeah. plus, people don't know history. I think that's the main thing. If you look back yeah. at times when the government functioned better, yeah, and it was more bipartisan, and, and yeah. some of the people yeah. who are currently actors in the system were part of that. Yeah. But everything has gotten so warped my team or your team instead mm -hmm. of let's look at the issue and get some from every team in the room and let's have a conversation about it and let's ask questions and let's be open i know i'm just way too uh i mean that's a fantasy of mine but i think pollyannish but no i, I but to work. That, that's yeah, what democracy yeah. is supposed to be right all of us making these decisions together not yeah and of course the people on the left have to learn not to demonize if they don't want to be demonized they have to they have to learn not we have to learn not to demonize the other side mm -hmm. because in many cases they can't help it they it, it's based on what they have been taught and the information they're getting this from the lips of, of an extraordinary artist <laughs> you know what we're, we're going to continue this conversation as soon as the album comes out you're going to come back i would love that we'll play a bunch of selections from the album and talk about it and and get get down in the weeds about something or other going on in the world well <laughs> it, it, it's it's so good to see you uh, and, and I hope you feel better. And it, better. it's wonderful to talk with you. You too, Bill. And thank you for everything you do. And, and good luck with all your creative projects. And, you know, you're, you're quite a guy. It's back at you. Back at you. Val Leventhal has the voice of an angel and the heart of a lion. She's ah. also the host <laughs> of the Val Leventhal Show, which airs live Sundays from 10 to 11.45 a.m. Central on Q4 Radio, Q4.org. And you're going to be back on live next week. I'll be back live next week. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. AM 1680, Q4 is is a wonderful, wonderful resource. And and still, I think, the most diverse on the air or on the web in, in Chicago, maybe in the country. Her website is valleventhal.com. We will talk to you very, very soon, I hope. Thanks to Val Leventhal. Links to her show and her website are in the notes below. If you like this show, please click the subscribe button. Until next time.
everything.